Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, November 5th, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 1. We are at page 6, Paragraph 1. Today's readers are Helena, Penny C., Michelle H., and Deb W. The reference number for Tuesday, November 4th, is 7007. That's 7007. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose Katie, we've lost you. If you want to press star one again. We have lost Katie, and I will I'm continue. I'm sorry, Dad. I, um, I'm back. Okay. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Nancy S. to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Katie, for your service, and thank you, and good morning, everybody. This is Nancy S. from Wisconsin, a recovering compulsive overeater. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we hear you fine. Okay, thank you. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy. I will now ask A.J. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is A.J. I'm a newly recovered compulsive overeater in Ohio. The Twelve Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. Thank you, AJ. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 6, paragraph 1. I will ask Helena to begin reading. Good morning. This is Helena. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My mind, my brain raced uncontrollably and there was a terrible sense of impended calamity. I hardly dared cross the street lest I collapse and be run down by an early morning truck for it was scarcely daylight. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. My writhing nerves were stilled at last. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. 
Well, so had I. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Gin would fix that. So, two bottles and oblivion. Bill W. thought that he was uh, in control of the situation. He, we read yesterday about how he had uh, promised his wife, and he meant it for sure this time that he was going to stop drinking. And uh, next thing, one day, he walked into a cafe to use the phone, and the next thing he knew, he was pounding uh, his head on the bar, wondering how he started drinking again. And now he's waking up the next morning full of remorse, horror, and hopelessness. And uh, I can identify with this. Um, how, how far back, before I fully realized my condition, uh, did I have mornings like this? Uh, days when I had started that new diet, full of hope, and by 10 o'clock in the morning, I was already uh, eating, binging, eating my binge foods. And uh, this, this sentence in here, the market would recover, but I wouldn't. And that was a hard thought. He's very close to the bottom, and yet he has a long way to go. Um, I remember when I first came into program back in 1981, thinking, why didn't I come sooner? Why didn't God allow me to see what this wonderful program could do for me? And um, in spite of everything that I was going through, which is similar to what Bill was going through here, I still wasn't ready. Um, on the other hand, we here in this world now have the advantage of this 12-step program that has been written out for us and practiced for many years now. Uh, Bill W. did not even have that available to him. If someone had approached him at this point, it's possible, I suppose, that he would have found recovery. But it's also possible that his path would have been a little longer, as mine was, until we found uh, recovery. I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Helena. Who would like to share on this paragraph? Tim, this is Janet. This is Larry. Rose. Okay, I have Kim, Janice, Larry, and Rose. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale, and my writhing nerves were stilled at last. You know, for many years before OA, and, and unfortunately many years in OA, I really thought food and weight was my problem. And, and what he's saying here is that a dozen glasses of ale and his writhing nerves were stilled at last. Food was the solution. Food was the only thing that, that, that stopped that racing, controllable, you know, brain of his. And that's my truth. When I look back at my experience, I remember specifically being all upset at work, being all wound up in my 20s. I was living at home, and the only thing that got me through is I would know on my way home I would hit a grocery store and I would pick up a tub of icing. And I would go and I would get that tub of icing and I'd buy some cake mix, no intention of making a cake, but it, it just looked better to the person checking me out. And I would sit there in line, and I could feel my shoulders relaxing. I hadn't even eaten the icing yet. But just the thought of having my binge food in my basket gave me some sort of relief. And as I'm being checked out, I throw a pair of some M&Ms on the, on the uh, register, 
because I don't think I can make it from the grocery store to my parents' house without having something in my mouth. Her food was my solution. I needed an effect. We learned in the doctor's opinion, men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. I am an effect person. I am still an effect person. Bill doesn't know about the solution yet, but the solution I have found is I get that effect from God. If I don't get the effect from the food, I'm going to need to get it from God. And if I don't get the effect from God, I'm going to need to find it in the food. It's when we get down to those two alternatives that we're going to be willing to turn towards the solution, which is a higher power, because my riding nerves need to be stilled. And if simply I had a one-fold illness, if it simply was that food was my problem, I would get abstinent and everything would be puppies and kittens. And my experience is when I am not eating, what happens is my brain races uncontrollably and there is a terrible sense of impending calamity. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Janice, it's your turn. Yes, and good morning to you, um, Katie and everyone. My name is Janice M., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Oh, that sentence. Oh, do I identify with the remorse, the horror, the hopelessness, the guilt, the fear. That's what terror is. You know, it wasn't so much in my body, you know, as it was in my mind. I was so afraid that I exhausted all kinds of personal um, willingness to do anything. I mean, it, 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 I mean, if you know what terror is, it's dread, it's panic. Now what am I going to do? I can't do this, I can't do that. I exhausted all methods. There was nothing left for me to do, and I didn't want to go back to OA because I knew that would, you know, would probably work. Um, but, you know, I had to surrender. And, yeah, when, I'm at, when I was at this stage... This was the lowest of lowest because the mental torture is worse for me, was worse for me than anything because I had a battle between the habit of eating and the obsession of the mind. And we said yesterday, you know, my, the obsession of my mind always won out. So I didn't know what else to do. Um, thank you, God, I came back to OA. The courage to do battle was not there. Well, that's, that's, that's really good. When I know that I can't do something anymore, then I have to ask for that courage. And to me, courage only comes from a higher power because I can't give myself courage. If I'm courageless, I, I don't have courage. And what I, because see, he feared so much, but what I like the most is how his thinking is changing somewhat. The market would recover but I wouldn't. That shows me the hopelessness. Before he said, oh, that's all right, the market is up, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get another drink. But now his thinking is kind of changing. However, you know what? He, you know, his mental anguish was so much, he had to go to the solution. And the worst solution of all for me was to eat and eat and eat and then be drugged out so much with the sugar and the flour, I would go to sleep. Now, when I'm asleep, I'm not aware of anything. And when we are in this stage, we are not sponsorable. <laughs> if we're eating and still doing our binge foods, we cannot sponsor anybody, nor can we hear the sponsor. 
That's why we have to put the food down first. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Larry. Uh, thanks for your service. Uh, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So Bill continues to be restless, irritable, and discontent. And what occurs to me, he was not who he desperately wanted to be. You know, I can relate to that. And this ties back into that seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So I need to remember, you know, when this was written by Bill, he had already had a vital spiritual experience, obviously. That's important to me because he's reflecting back, you know, a remembrance of things past to a time where, you know, remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning were unforgettable. He's reflecting back to a time when the courage to do battle was not there. All the bedevilments, seems to me, that you know, we find on page 52 are essentially described in Bill's recollection of that particular day. You know, he was in a self-imposed prison of fear. His emotional nature seems to be, to me, almost psychotic. Should I kill myself, he thought? But wait, you know, two bottles of gin, uh, a gallon of haagen the ease and comfort after a purge, pornography, gambling, shopping. I mean, it's, it's all the same underlying dynamic. What it is to me is substance and behaviors as a substitute for God. That's all it was for me, and that's all it is today. Thank God it's not like that for me today. But this is a guaranteed losing proposition. No matter how much I wish to be different, I want to be different, I get on this call, you don't have the power. I don't have the power. Lack of power, that was my dilemma. And the, and the conflict that arises as a result of having the grandest intentions but not having the power to live up to those intentions, creates more discomfort than I can bear. So the, the compulsive overeater has no choice when we get into that conflict. Ultimately, I'm going to stick my fist into the bag. You know, God has to save us from the quicksand. <clears throat> I can't save myself from the quicksand. I'll thrash about, I'll go down quicker. I have to be saved. Someone has to pull me from the quicksand. But that'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry and Rose. Thank you so much. Um, can you hear me? Yes, Rose, we can. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks for your service. And um, this is Rose, a uh, very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in South Carolina. And I absolutely love what every person has said so far. Um, the only thing I want to add from my own personal experience is um, the first sentence, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. And um, I have here my own uh, definition of remorse that I looked up when I was being brought through the book, which is an unforgettable feeling from a sense of guilt and regret for wrongs done, a torturing sense of guilt for one's actions. And... <clears throat> as I was um, listening to Helena read this, how well I remember, it was uh, many, many years ago, but the remorse myself and the horror and the hopelessness of each morning I woke up knowing um, I'm cross-addicted, but food was the real killer for me in terms of um, failure, failure for years in OA, 
um, failure because um, I did not have that connection, belief with a higher power, with God. Um, I think I believed he would he would do it for me, but I was attached to that food, and I didn't have the knowledge that I had a physical allergy, and and the worst part of it was that I had a mental obsession. I didn't have the knowledge because I didn't read this book. I had the book. I read it, but um, my master was food. And the thing I wanted to just close with, I really can't add much to what other people said, but from my own experience, is that now each morning for me, um, it is unforgettable in that it is now literally happy, joyful, and free. Um, I'm not without defects. I'm not without uh, life's trials and tribulations. But I have a connection to a higher power that um, is uh, unending. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rose. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Monica. Can I share? Melissa. Monica. Carolyn. And Vasa. Okay, Bella, Monica, Melissa. Was it Melissa? Yes. Vasa. There's Carolyn. Anyone? And Carolyn. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay, we'll go with those. Bella, Monica, Melissa, Vasa, Carolyn. Bella, you're first. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overreader. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Well, I would say that this was a terrible thought. And yes, definitely I was there. I was in a very much black and white thinking. Yes, the market would recover. The whole entire world, all the heavy people in the world will, would recover, but not me. And then when I was angry, upset, disappointed, and the most jealous, yes, I was jealous, and I was in a very yo-yo situation, either blaming and judging the whole entire world, or blaming and judging myself. And yes, I would come always to the same, to the same thought again and again. Yes, everybody can recover because no one of them is going through what I am going. None of them has the situation that I have. And it didn't bring me to a, a, a positive situation. It just brought me to be even more self-centered and more isolated, and it was terrible thoughts. Yes, everybody can do it, but not me. I am definitely a lost case. I couldn't even see, I didn't even believe that there can be a solution. Thank you, God, that I am not there anymore. Now I am so thankful that, yes, I am a compulsive overeater because this is the way that God wants me to be. And only through my disease I can be connected to the 
higher power to a loving power and to see myself how can what can I do every day to to do God's service and not my ego. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you. Okay, Monica, your turn. Thank you, Katie. This is Monica. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. So here we are in Bill's story, and of course he's looking back when he wrote this this chapter in the book. And it sounds pretty horrible here, and he's saying the market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. Wow. So this whole chapter has to do with the progression of Bill's disease, the progression down the the, the pit. And... Um, so he's, you know, he's getting desperate here. He's getting desperate. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Isn't this amazing? Look back, one page. And not there, other people were jumping from the high towers of finance. That disgusted me. And here we are just one short page later. Who's having thoughts of suicide? Who's feeling hopeless? Who is um, having terror and sense of, of impending calamity. Bill is. But he still hasn't found a solution. And his solution for everything is gin, beer. So two bottles and oblivion. And I know when I came into OA nine years ago, I was in this spot. I was scared. I was in terror. Nothing was working. Everything that I had tried that I used to work was not working. I was scared to death. What in the world was I going to do? My eating was totally out of control and getting worse. But still every day, you know, two more pieces of this, a few more of that, and oblivion. That's how bad it was getting. Oblivion. Get into that state of unawareness, you know. Pass out on the sofa sleeping. But you know bad part about oblivion is you wake up and you've got to face this terror again. Thank God with this program, there is hope. You know, he's in a very hopeless state of mind and body here. He's realizing more and more that he is totally powerless. Alcohol has got him by the throat and he's in the corner and nothing he can do is working anymore. How scary. But we know there's a way out. And with that, I'll pass. Hi, this is Deborah. I'd like to share. Okay, um, Deborah, we have Melissa, Vasa, and Carolyn, and then you. Oh, okay. So, um, Melissa, your turn. Hi, this is Melissa, compulsive, recovered compulsive, overeater in New York. Um, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yes, yes Melissa, go ahead. Okay, okay, thank you. Um, you know, I, I focus in on that line almost to, the, to oblivion. You know, the for me, um, yes, I woke up every morning um, with a crazy, you know, regret. And what would make it better was a little bit more. You know, how insane was my thinking um, that a little bit more some more of what was making me so miserable was going to somehow make it better. And ultimately, it wasn't until I was in that feeling of oblivion, of not even existing, of numbing.
coming completely. I think ultimately that was what I was just really going after. Um, and, you know, it's painful listening to how low Bill is getting, how desperate and how um, horrible it's becoming. Um, and just when you think it it's really must be the worst, it's getting even worse. And that was me. That was my story. You know, just when I thought, I can't bear it anymore. How can I possibly weigh over 300 pounds? I was putting more food in my mouth, gaining more weight, um, and, and sick, sick inside. My life becoming smaller and smaller, um, shutting everything out, only happy when I was at oblivion with the food. Um, and thank God it got that bad because that bad, you know, the pain is what... Um, what awoke me from the oblivion. It had to be so painful that I couldn't even numb it out anymore. And um, that's where the miracle happened. That's where I became desperate enough to put down the food and realize it wasn't oblivion that could relieve me from my discomfort, but it was the higher power. It was God that could come and help me. Um, and but the pain of this disease is a beautiful thing. And today I'm so grateful that it reached such a critical level for me and for Bill because, um, you know, without that, I would not have recovery and a whole new life and a relationship with a higher power that sees me through, uh, you know, some really hard things. Life life is not perfect. Um, you know, the, the market crashes. People die. Awful things happen, and yet um, my higher power somehow helps me work my way through it without the quest for oblivion. And um, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Melissa. Vasa, your turn. Thank you, Katie. Thank you for your service, and thank you for everybody being there. I am Vasa, and I'm grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Massachusetts and uh, I loved uh, <laughs> I love being back at the, on the, in the big book um, I could write my own story I can write my own book uh, with all the journal, journals I had um, written over the years with my food addiction and I did the fourth step you know I, again it's amazing where I am today from where I was before but here, Bill is uh, reflecting in his life um, while he's writing this book, the pain, the suffering he was going through, the disease of alcoholism, and myself. I bring ba- myself back to where I was with my, e- my eating, and I came to the end of me. There was an, I was exhausted. Believe me, I tried for 25 years of my life. I tried so hard. It's not like I didn't try. I tried. You know, some people say, oh, they just didn't, they they didn't care, you know. But I cared. I wanted to stop, and I explored everything in my own power that I heard of, people that did, you know. But I didn't have the recovery. I didn't have the big book. I listened to those people that were doing the same thing, dieting, and, and then off and on. And Bill talks here about how the market would recover, um, but he... But, uh, yeah, the market would recover. When I'm dead, yes, my husband is going to recover. Yeah, he's going to miss me for a while. My kids are going to miss me for a while. 
but they're going to have, you know, their life is going to go on. But look at what I would have missed. And I know I would have been, I would have been dead by now. I would have missed to have these wonderful grown children that I have today and my grandkids that I've been enjoying all these years and a grand, new granddaughter that I, we just had. I'm just so grateful that I have a lot that I have today. But again, I'm so grateful. I crawled in desperation when I came to Overeaters Anonymous. That was my last hope. And I had given into the food addiction before that. There was nothing, nothing in my power I could do. And then I learned, I heard, I needed to find a power greater than myself, which I call today God. And I was being saved. I'm just so grateful. I threw myself into the program and prayer. And the next morning when I surrendered, I wanted to eat so I wanted to go in the refrigerator, but God said, no, Vasa, you put the food in your, in my hands. Just have your food, your healthy, nutrition food this morning. And I wanted to eat in between. I was a grazer. I wanted to eat. It was progressively worse. Thank you, God, for vision for you, and thank you for the solution, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Carolyn, you're next. Hi, this is Carolyn S., uh, as in Sam from New York, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, what an amazing paragraph. Uh, impending calamity, you know, remorse. I mean, that's always how I felt when I had to wake up, usually literally from the uh, the horror of what I had done, you know, with, with the, the sugar still racing through my veins and, you know, all the hangover symptoms and uh, the trembling and uh, the, the heart racing. I mean, all these literal physical reactions to to the sugar but also the, the, the tremendous disappointment in myself that yet again, there I was, powerless, pathetic, um, desperate. When I came into the rooms uh, 12 years ago, I didn't have another diet in me. I, I had tried everything. I mean, so many different weird fad diets, you know, um, Dexatrim, uh, which is basically speed, um, you know, the Cambridge powder diet, you know, countless support groups, uh, you know, the commercial diet programs, gyms. And, and I just knew when I came in that there was no point. I mean, it was beyond no point. It would hurt me more because I always gained more than I lost, always, and came out even more demoralized. And um, he talks about, you know, suicide. And uh, I, I've thought about suicide many, many times. Um, I've gone so far as to make plans um, to even start to execute, like to look for, for a gun. My father kept uh, hunting guns, but I could never find the key. Or once I, you know, my, my parents lived uh, near a body of water and I decided I was going to drown myself. And I, was, uh, I put soup cans in my winter coat, not the best plan. But anyway, I walked down to the water and I thought, well, I'll jump in and they'll never find the body. You know, they'll, I'll jump in and, you know, it's a nice, neat, easy way to go. And, uh, and then I realized, well, what if I get washed out to sea and they never find the body? They won't know what happened to me. And another time I was planning to do it in the garage with carbon monoxide, which is my, my, what my aunt did. And I thought, oh, you know, my mom's going to have to find me. And the fact is, I didn't really want to die. Um, I just wanted an end to the pain. And that was the only way I could see to do it. And um, even in, in 12 years or 11 years of, of OA, I often felt that, that tremendous sense of despair because I was there. I mean, this was the last house in the block, and it still wasn't working. And then I found the tent 
behind the last house in the block as someone refers to it, which is vision. And thank you, thank you, God. I found it and recovered today. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. Okay, Deborah, it's your turn. Yes, hi. Good morning. Thank you. Deborah, a recovered compulsive overeater. I wanted to, I noticed where a few pages earlier, the doctor's opinion, the doctor wrote that he could really trust Bill. He could trust, he was telling the reader, you can trust what these men say. And that's an incredible statement um, from a doctor who dealt with alcoholics, that they were honest. And here you see where Bill's in the, really in the throes of the disease. There are people dying. And he doesn't um, he doesn't even mention that. You know, there are people jumping off the roof. But in his selfishness and the disease, he didn't even see it. He just thought of himself wanting to numb the pain. And so I just wanted to, to really notice how wonderful the program is when we do the steps our character changes. We go from being known as someone who's very selfish, self-centered, it's all about me and my food, to we can go out and be recognized as honest people, and that's just such a gift. So um, I've seen that in my life. Dishonesty was taken um, slowly, sometimes quickly, but I can um, really see that honesty as one of the best gifts that I've been given. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Deborah. And this is Katie off of Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Hello, this is Raquel. I'm sorry. I was sharing right now. Um, Oh, sorry. We'll get you, Raquel. That's okay. Um, Whenever. I just wanted to... Whenever. Okay. I just wanted to focus on this, um, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. Because prior to that, um, at least for me, um, I, I still have that. I still can remember what it was like those last few months before um, my recovery started. But prior to that, I couldn't remember. I could not remember to remember what it was like, and I would have this idea that it wasn't going to be that bad. But now what's embedded in my brain is the horror of Thanksgiving in 1986 and, you know, uh, 4th of July in 1987 and the days every day in between until October 7th, 1987 when um, I was binging all day and then went to a meeting where I was finally willing to listen and to do what people told me to do, to put down the food and to pick up these steps. Uh, prior to that, I would forget. I would think that my way was going to work, and then if I just did it one more time, um, tried one more diet because we didn't give out food plans, so I still tried commercial diets even in the room. Um, you know, and I just thought if I just could figure this out, um, or uh, then I tried to just accept myself, accept my weight, accept the way it is, and. Of course, you can't coast um, in life. And so I would continue to go further and further down. So it didn't matter if I accepted that weight because my weight kept going up. So, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't keep clothes on my back because they kept getting tighter every time, you know, every few weeks. I would get a new outfit, and then in a few weeks that outfit would be too tight. 
So, you know, unless they came up with uh, disposable clothes, it wasn't going to work for me. So I'm just so grateful that I do remember. I do remember that unforgettable, um, horrible uh, time prior to putting down the food. And with that, I'll pass. And I'm going to ask that um, Penny C, please move on to the next paragraph, the mind and body. Good morning. This is Penny C, Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Massachusetts. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms, for mine endured this agony for two more years. Sometimes I stole from my wife's slender purse when the morning terror and madness were on me. Again, I swayed dizzily before an open window or the medicine cabinet where there was poison, cursing myself for a weakling. There were flights from cities city to country and back, as my wife and I saw escape. Then came the night when the physical and mental torture was so hellish, I feared I would burst through my window, sash and all. Somehow I managed to drag my mattress to a lower floor, lest I suddenly leap. A doctor came with a heavy sedative. Next day found me drinking both gin and sedative. This combination soon landed me on the rocks. People feared for my sanity. So did I. I could eat little or nothing when drinking, and I was 40 pounds underweight. Wow. Um, I somehow, all the times that I've read this, this section and did it with a group of people like, like right now, I never really saw that last sentence that and I was 40 pounds underweight and all that reminded me when I read this is how I was so desperate I would do anything to lose weight because I knew that that was my problem and and you know I I did I didn't I don't remember ever standing before a medicine cabinet or thinking about jumping out of a window. But I did things like I was only I was only 11 years old when I went to call on a friend for school and I knew her mom had been sick and her mom came out of the bedroom and she had been a large, robust woman only months before and she was just skin and bones. And... You know, I knew that she was very, very ill. And that very day, I prayed to God that I would be ill so that I would be able to be to lose weight. It didn't matter how. That's, that's pretty close to wanting to do something to myself. And I was only 10 or 11 years old at the time, so my history goes way, way back. But I did want to recall also that these two paragraphs, the words that Bill uses, remorse, horror, hopelessness, terror, they just go on and on. And that that was a feeling I shared from the very, from my earliest years because of the humiliation I was, I was um, victim to from from the time I could remember, I was a real, real fat little little girl, and this continued right up until 
till my teenagehood when I started yo-yoing. So without the help of a higher power, I'd still be there. That's that's the um, the thing that wakes me up. I would still be in this state. And um, the the thoughts of getting up and getting dressed and going out and meeting the world when I had maybe lost some weight and then put it back on again, I didn't. I, I didn't even want to go out of the house. So um, life life is so much different, and I intend to keep it that way by living in steps ten, eleven, and twelve for the rest of my life, if uh, God so wills. But um, um, I'll pass with that. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Okay, who would like to share on this um, paragraph? This is Judy B. Leia, Okay, I heard Julie, Leia, Rabia, but I know there were people in between. Sarah W. And Paula. Sarah W. And Paula. Okay, go ahead, Julie. Perhaps it was Judy B. Oh, I'm sorry, Judy B. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I would, I would just love to share on this very first sentence: "My mind and body, <clears throat> the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms." I just, it is so clear in my mind um, that the human body can go through so much. And, and I put mine, my body and my mind through hell before I was relieved of this compulsion to eat. Time after time, I ignored warnings from doctors and I continued to abuse my body. And it is true that the mind and the body are marvelous mechanisms, but the truth is we are not able to predict how much they can endure. And... <clears throat> I just feel so fortunate that I was able to find program before I totally destroyed my mind and body. Everybody is not that fortunate. I have lost friends in program, uh, family members. Um, they didn't have another tomorrow. And, and that's really, really hard, hard to, to believe, hard to face and that's that's why i know that this is a deadly disease it's it's a deadly disease <laughs> excuse me um i i guess i don't have words for for how um devastating that has been to me uh to watch people literally not make it <laughs> and the truth is that if if a person is willing and if they find the solution, they will make it. They will get through the horror of this disease. And I just thank God that there are people in program who continue to carry the message and who, who continue to let people know that there is a solution. You know, God gives us a choice and... Um, we can't give that willingness to anyone else, but we can certainly let them know what we've been through 
and let them know what works for us and just pray to uh pray to our heavenly father that that they will um accept accept this program and be willing to uh, work the spiritual solution the mind and the body are are marvelous mechanisms and um and thank god we have them thank god we have program with that i'll pass thank you Okay, thank you, um, Judy. And we will have Leah, Rabia, Sarah W., and Paula. Hopefully we will have time to all of you. Leah, thank you. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, everybody. Leah, I'm Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Wow, such a powerful paragraph. I mean, it is really this whole story and, and this paragraph in particular, you know, really I identify with it. It's such a frightening, vivid, detailed account of uh, Bill Wilson's descent into madness. And I relate. <laughs> That's the great part of it. Um, I relate to this. And, uh, you know, the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured this agony for two more years. Um, you know, this progression, I mean, just a few paragraphs ago, you know, he's, he's still mustering up some willpower. Now he's questioning his sanity. Now he's uh, thinking suicide. Um, you know, certainly uh, he's seeking oblivion still. You know, we, we, we seek oblivion. We seek escape, you know, but the next morning we wake up, and that is the problem, and that certainly was my problem. Uh, you know, we talk about the promises of recovery, you know, all the time. And in this paragraph, you know, we're reminded of the promises of disease. I mean, he has mental anguish. He has emotional torture going on here, isolation, depression, suicidal thinking. Um, he has feelings that he's going crazy. He's panicked when he's drinking. Now, of course, he's mixing, uh, you know, drugs and alcohol. He has overwhelming guilt feelings and fear and a sense of impending doom, and he's contemplating suicide. Uh, you know, we don't come in on a winning streak. I personally came in on a suicide attempt. <laughs> um, you know, that was where this disease brought me. So, you know, it's just uh, a reminder that we cannot... Um, you know, outrun this illness. The beast is faster. I needed something outside of myself to make those changes within myself. You know, I've been abstinent since January 19th, 1987, and that says a couple things to me, that this program of recovery has given me the opportunity through these steps to make the changes within myself and within my attitudes so that it's no longer necessary for me to look for some substance outside of myself to make me feel comfortable. And the other thing that that says to me is that this program works. You know, I knew everything there was to know about compulsive overeating, just like Bill had all this self-knowledge about alcohol. I had a wide variety of experience with compulsive overeating. What I did not know prior to January of 1987 is how does Leah live in Leah, <laughs> uh, you know, without having to binge her brains out to stand it, you know, and, and the program of recovery gave me that opportunity through these steps to have a transformed mind, a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. I pass. Thanks.
Thank you, Leah. Rabia, you're next. Uh, good morning. Good morning, visionaries. Uh, this is Rabia from New York, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and and it's 296 of us on the line. Um, I came in a little late, and it, it, it's <laughs> talk about blessed awe, uh, because we don't want to be living in oblivion today. And and everybody so graphically described the doom, um, the pain of the oblivion, and and then it could go on for two more years. I, I just recently read Passing It On, uh, Bill and Dr. Bob's biography of early um, AA recovery. And in this period of his life, I couldn't even read it all in one setting. It is so distraught and depressing, and I identified with it so strongly. And then, and then it went on for two more years, and we do. We get to endure um we we do endure this disease and and what i'm feeling on the line this morning i just love the second tradition because i i feel the power of a loving god our ultimate authority is the loving god as as god may express itself right here right now and um and and i know there are new visionaries on the line who um i want to say the power is here on the line. Uh, you can put down the food today. Uh, your last binge could be your last binge right now. And um, and we're here to help you do it and stay on the line for the second hour of this meeting, and we'll guide you. Um, you'll get a sponsor, and uh, we'll take you through the big book like we were taking through the big book, and the power is here right now. Right now, um, the oblivion can be in the past. And thank you all for my new life. With that, I pass. Thank you. Okay, Sarah W. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from Iowa. Um, I was thinking about how painful it is and how we continue on and the insanity of it and uh, so many people have shared so beautifully uh, but I, I know the pain myself and um, and I also know um, that we can have relief from that and um, you know sometimes it takes what it takes to get to that place where we're willing to do something different you know the old um, the old saying that most of us have heard. You know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. You know, it's like I couldn't help myself, um, and I just, um, you know, for me, I also think I felt I didn't deserve deserve good, and that, um, you know, I didn't know any other way. I never saw any other way, um, and I didn't want to feel. I didn't want to feel, and uh, putting down the food meant feeling. And uh, feelings don't kill me. So, uh, you know, the, the greatest thing is that we do have this beautiful program and that, uh, you know, for me, when I was in the food, I was walking dead anyway. I mean, basically, I didn't have a life. Uh, I was consumed with thoughts of food or or just, you know, numbed out where I wasn't able to feel and ex- and, and and experience, you know, true joy or anything in my life, um, 
uh, and today we can uh, through working the steps, and I'm grateful for that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Okay, Paula, we have time for you if you're really quick. Well, there my goal. I will try to be really quick. Uh, this is Paula, a compulsive eater today recovered, and I just will just piggyback on two lines and quickly, may I add, but you can sit with it. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured this agony two more years. Do you see the paradox there? How could he write they were marvelous and in the same breath, agony, and you can put your definition of agony. Here we have bills. Here we have bills. You can put yours. But the one thing that I saw, I sought escape. Where are you going to go to run away from you? No matter where you go, there you are. And this disease is right there to ambush you. It'll get you. But I sought escape till I realized there was none. Even they're a blessing. So with that, I will pass. And thank you for the opportunity to share. Bye-bye. Excuse me. Um, Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Michelle H. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.